Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Fall Obsession Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to our Fall Obsession Podcast. We've had a little bit of break here recently, um, but we're back on it this week with a new episode for you guys. I am Sam with Fall Obsession, your Fall Obsession Podcast host. Thank you guys for tuning in. And joining me this week is another one of our pro staffers, no stranger to the podcast. He's joined us before, and that is our pro staffer from Colorado, Mr. Tim Burgess. Tim, welcome back, buddy. Thanks, Sam. Good to, ha- good to be back. Well, happy to have you back on. And for our listeners uh, who may be newer to our Fall Obsession podcast experience or um, just haven't caught up with all of our previous episodes, uh, like I said, Tim has been on the podcast with us before, episodes 57 and 58. 57 kind of is a little bit of a prequel to this right here with uh, the topic of the 2021 draw applications. Tim came on earlier in the spring to talk about a lot of the opportunities in specifically in Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, states like that. Um, In 58, we followed that up the next week with Tim talking about some of his African safari experiences. So both of those are really good episodes. I encourage you guys to go back and check out if you haven't listened to them already. Today we're going to get into kind of a little bit more about just hunting Colorado and some of the stuff that not only Tim has going on this year, but also some opportunities that um, you guys as listeners and hunters, if you happen to have a a Colorado experience coming up, some information that might be useful for you guys. Before we get into all that, I wanted to give a quick shout out real quick to our partners over at Elite Archery. Um, Elite's been a partner of ours for several years now. We really enjoy shooting their bows, their new 2021 line 
lineup will be in our hands for this fall, and we're pretty stoked about that. I know Tim is also running an elite bow up there in Colorado. Um, so if you guys haven't checked out Elite Archery, go do so right now at your local archery dealer and take the Elite Shootability Challenge. Compare it to any bow out there and uh, see what you think. Elite just wants to be in the conversation, and they trust that their equipment and the quality and the features that you guys will find on their bows will do the rest. So go check them out, also at EliteArchery.com. All right, Tim. So we're going to get into this today, and I wanted to kind of kick things off with you talking about any kind of results that you had from these 2021 draws, uh, this draw year, basically. Um, again, we had that episode previously, you and I, where we, you kind of set the stage for hunting opportunities coming up that year, some stuff you had your eye on, some stuff that other guys should maybe have their eye on, a little bit of advice just on putting in and stuff like that. How did the draw results come out for you and, and those that you hunt with frequently? So for me and like kind of like my family, we did pretty well for the most part. Um, like everywhere else this year, there was like record number applications again. So of course that's really good because it's a lot of money going into the system, but it's also means if it's your first or second year putting in, you're you're probably not having a whole lot of luck. So um, I was lucky enough to draw the elk tag that I was really looking forward to trying to put in and get. Um, Cardo has a pre. Uh, program for residents to put in for special tags where you get to hunt a private ranch for a few days um and to based on you know there's different tags for each species and male and female so i drew a special they call it ranching for wildlife tag um in january for cow elk so i'm really looking forward to that one should be a really good opportunity um and it's a new ranch, so it should be like a whole new experience. So I get to try something that nobody else really has gotten to do, um, unless they paid a lot of money to hunt this ranch. Like a bull tag or a bull uh, access for a bull tag costs like fifteen grand for this place. So, oh wow, uh, I'm I'm a little excited to get just to see a lot of elk. Um, I don't, I mean, obviously the cow is kind of picking one on the edge and shooting it out of the herd, but uh, I think it'll be a great experience in January, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So does the uh, does the ranch just work with um, you know the the fish and wildlife department to to set that up or or how how does that work? Yeah, so in Colorado we have a program called uh, landowner vouchers. So basically, what it is is landowners um, get the opportunity if they have more than 160 acres in a particular unit, the option to put in to draw tags. Um, and there's two kinds um, of landowner vouchers. There's Um, restricted and unrestricted so restricted voucher um so we'll back up for my my family has a farm in um a different unit in way northeast colorado 93 and so there we have the option to put in for deer uh any either uh mule deer or whitetail or whitetail only deer as well as antelope tags as a landowner voucher and so we put in for those every year in the off chance we hope to draw one so the restricted ones are good for family members or children that's the only people who can use it so it's immediate family members so like my dad's the guy on the on the land so if he draws a restricted voucher him his brothers me or my brother his my dad my mom or my wife probably could use it. it's about it Um, so those are the options on who could use it or any child 17 or younger 
but the minimum age for Colorado for big game is 12, so it's 12 to 17. Um, whereas the unrestricted, anybody can use it. So if you get an unrestricted voucher, any you can sell it, you can give it away, whatever. Um, and basically what it does is it gives the person the access to that, whoever's the landowner is, it access to all of their land for the entire season that that tag is good for, for that animal only. It's so like one of the tags that we always put in for, and I actually drew this year out there, is a whitetail only either sex tag. It's good from October 1st to December 31st with a mix of archery seasons, muzzleloader seasons, and rifle seasons throughout there. You get about 30 days of rifle split into two different seasons. You get like seven days of muzzleloader, and then the rest of it's all archery. So it's a really long season with a lot of different options there. Um, so it's a pretty popular like second choice tag. Um, out where we are, everybody wants to get the mule deer, so that's the, the more popular one that goes pretty quick. But um, So with the landowner vouchers, we didn't have any luck this year. We didn't draw any, any deer tags or any antelope tags. Um, it capped it at 10% of the tags available go to landowners. Um, so like where we are, there's literally 10 antelope tags. So there's one every year that gets issued. And so, uh, right now it's running about nine preference points to get it. So it's, we've been put in for a while, but I think we have four or five. So it's going to be a while still till we, we draw any more antelope tags. Um, whereas the deer tags as landowners take about five points for a normal resident, they take about three points as a non-resident takes about four. So, um, it's a way to just get an extra tag here and there um, that you can hunt. So it's a great option there. But the Ranching for Wildlife, they basically trade most of the lower preference calp tags they could get on the ranch. Um, so like the minimum usually for the acreage for the ranches is 5,000. So they're able to put in for a lot of tags every year. Okay. Um, so basically they trade all the cow tags except for like one or two to get more bull tags or either sex tags. In exchange, those cow tags are given to the state and they get to basically, it's not, it's a uh, draw them out just like a normal tag. And so people get the option to go hunt this, these ranches, but the ranch also gets a way to make a bunch of money by having a lot more bull tags. So it's a great pairing both ways um, to get it. Um, they do the same with, with deer, elk, antelope, bear, and moose. One ranch has moose and that one's like, a 30 year process to get either of the tags. So huh. it's a, it's a pretty crazy deal. If you were to get that moose tag. Wow. That is insane. That's a long time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's, I think the guy that's been, people have been putting in for the entire time. Moose, the system's been around are getting that moose tag every year. So it's like, you know, well, man, that sounds like a pretty, uh, a pretty unique opportunity that you get to do there. That's pretty cool get a yeah. get some meat in your freezer too good experience along with that so yeah and it's in a unit i normally hunt which there the property is actually pretty much surrounded by blm so it's a really great option for i get to scout that blm for next year from a different side whereas i would never get to see it from this side of the property unless i walk you know if i walked all the way across the blm then i get to see it from in from where i'm at but i'll get to see it from the other side the whole time which will be nice scouting for next year very neat. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit too about, about your farm, um, that you guys yep. hunt and have up there. Um, not to make this 
the sole and exclusive topic of our conversation. But in recent weeks, um, we've had, as our listeners know, if you've been listening for a while, we've had several different guests from different parts of the country um, come on the podcast to talk about their land and deer and wildlife management tactics that they've been working on this spring and summer in preparation for fall. You guys got that family farm out at y'all's place. What have you guys been doing to prep for your fall hunting seasons? Yeah, so the kind of the first thing that I always say is like our we always start food plots usually in May. Um, so we have between in wheat in in production wheat out um, taking the year off wheat CRP um, and tree rows we have about twenty five hundred acres. So this year um, we had our smaller year of growing acres. It's about six fifty seven hundred um, in production wheat this year. And so in, in May, we'll plant the food plots, which we have kind of on the edges of some of the CRP spots and one or two other fields have small little um, CR, uh, food plots. This year we did kind of a Milo sorghum mix that we always do for pheasants. Um, I think this fall there's one small plot we didn't plant that I'm going to put in some additional stuff, but we just haven't quite figured out what yet. We're looking at maybe clo- like a clover will dro- grow up there late or something like that. Um, but we have one little like half acre plot that's not done. Right now we have about 20 acres and food plots kind of split out between a bunch of different places. None of them are bigger than about an acre. So uh, a whole bunch of that. And they're mainly more pheasant focused than they are deer focused. The deer do like the sorghum too, but uh, there's so much corn and other food up there. We don't really need to have food for them because there's, there's a lot of production corn around us. So uh-huh. putting out more food that it kind of just go, okay, there's food, there's food everywhere. We're not going to walk, you know, a quarter mile extra to go to your food versus this food. So, right. Um, food's not the huge thing. It's more shelter, which that, that sorghum when it grows right, which it's only done a few times in my whole life because we never get enough water is it'll grow eight foot tall. Um, and so it makes really good shelter belts and everything when it does grow correctly. But like I said, that we'd never get enough water for that to happen consistently. I know you've been sending me uh, some trail cam photos that are looking pretty good. You got some good looking deer coming through there. And then we were actually just talking uh, right before we kicked off the episode about, um, you know, that having some mule deer starting to pop up on y'all's place too, which is pretty neat. Yeah, we've always had mule deer. Um, so like the place where you're looking at the trail cam is about a mile east of our house or a mile west of our house, excuse me. Um, we've always had mule deer. There's a field we have about a mile and a half north, but there's always big mule deer. My brother shot a giant there in 18. I shot a good one there in 19. Um, pretty much opening day there, you're going to get one by 9 o'clock if you just walk in there carefully and don't mess it up. Um, you know, you may not get the giant, but you always get a good one in there. They're just always there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, well, we get have our uh, – my trail cams out. I've been really shocked to see – mule deer this last pull um because they usually never go through there once in a while you catch one walking by or a doe walking through or whatever but we've had bucks there consistently this year which is really odd um i know we're putting out extra water over there so maybe that's what it is they're drinking the water or whatever but it's been kind of cool to see absolutely so looking ahead to this fall um any any big plans or big expectations, any target bucks in particular, um, that you're, you're wanting to chase after, uh, specifically? 
so like I said, I have that whitetail only tag. Um, I think I've seen two pretty good sized whitetails. Uh, last year I got one of the biggest ones I've ever seen out there. Uh, it was a three by three with brow ties and broke one of his brow ties off. But really the, the thing for him was his body was just massive. We ended up with 148 pounds of meat and then we doubled the hamburger because we add beef to it. So we ended up with like um, over 200 pounds of meat from him. Wow. That was really awesome. Um, so I'm kind of, I always kind of pick and picky there where I usually shoot. I want to shoot a big body cause it usually means they're older. Um, just because we're trying to grow our genetics a little bit cause they've always been really bad on white tails. Um, our mule deer genetics have always been awesome. Like it's not uncommon to see a 200 inch mule deer out there. Um, I, I think the one my brother shot was close to 200. I don't know if it quite scored 200. We haven't gotten officially scored yet, but, um, they are fairly common out there. So gen- mule deer wise, we got no problems. My dad has the early season, early rifle season mule deer tag. So I'm going to try to either not go out that weekend or go out and not get in his way. Um, so he can hopefully get a big mule deer this fall. So it's kind of a, I kind of got to be picky on when I go and where I go. So I don't mess things up for him. Yeah, no, that, that's understandable. So, you're talking about you know having whitetail and and a lot of pictures that you that you send me from uh, one camera in particular you know are a lot of whitetail deer colorado and i know there's plenty of them up there but colorado you know you traditionally for non-residents we always think of colorado as you know elk or mule deer hunting you know that that big game that's kind of more in that that environment if you will um Mm -hmm. but what kind of what kind of whitetail hunting opportunities does the state of Colorado offer for non-residents? So um, there's a lot of options um, in the eastern half of the state. The two kind of caveats that are is the tags are usually really easy to draw if you put them in as either your first or second choice at draw time. Um, like the one I draw, I draw it every time as the second choice. And there's usually a couple leftovers that sneak it over to the second draw. I know I was talking to you about, hey, do you want to try to get this one and come up when second draw came out? Because there's like one or two either sex that snuck through. Um, but so there's, there's quite a few options. That's just where I live, but it's good for four units. Uh, there's other units around, um, like 92 is right along the river way up north where I live or where my farm is. And so they there's always leftovers in there, but there's only like 175 acres of public land. And then nobody puts anything in walk-in. So that's the other problem there is there's like no, there's no real option. Whereas other units, if there's two types of what we call walk-ins, this is another state program that is run where basically landowners can allow the state to lease their land for, it's not a lot of money. It's like four to $6 an acre. So it's, it's not substantial, but it is something um, to allow hunters on it. And so they started a program either last year or the year before where they would pay an additional dollar per acre. Um, and usually this has been traditionally for small games like pheasants, rabbits, stuff, quail, whatever. But they started a program like in the last two years where they will pay that additional dollar if you allow big game hunting. And so like where, I, where we are, we put um, two fields that we just never hunt because one of them is kind of far, one of them about four miles from the farm, the other one about five miles from the farm. So we just never get out to them. So we put in a, half section of crp and then another like 
200 acres of wheat stubble every year um, into this program. And then we always do the take the extra money for the the big game. Well, like the where the uh, that CRP is, that's there's always a, a whitetail herd. So if you had, especially if you had a doe tag, there'd be a really good chance of getting one out of there. Um, the buck I shot last year was just like a half mile north of theirs on one of our neighbor's place that I had permission to hunt. So they, he was he's in and out of that field all the time, um, for sure, because all the does are in there, and so he'd be in and out of there a lot. Um, as for like another popular area is like southeast Colorado. Um, there's a lot of pronghorns down there. And so a lot of people will try to come hunt pronghorn up there and they'll, they'll go walk in place to walk in place. And like I said, it might be, I think the minimum is like 50 acres. Sometimes you'll get a corner that's like 10 acres, but once in a while you'll get, you know, a whole section that was put in. And so those are pretty popular to hunt uh, for pronghorns and deer down there as well. So more kind of generalizing it to just first timers coming to Colorado. Like if we have, if we have listeners where this is their first year where they're going to get to go on that kind of experience, go whether they're the hunter or whether they're tagging along, participating in a Colorado hunt, elk, mule deer, whitetail, pronghorn, whatever it might be. What kind of, do you have any specific recommendations for folks traveling up there and hunting up there? Um, for the first time this year yeah so no matter where you're hunting you want onyx um it's absolutely necessary in colorado um, nothing has to be posted to be private and they are extremely strict on hunting on private it's basically a minimum of five years losing your hunting rights in all the states that are part of it which is like 48 states of the western compact um if you if you get caught at all if you take an animal it's a lot worse than that um, so you really want to make sure you ha- know your public, private, uh, walk-in, whatever. Um, so that would be my first thing, no matter what part of the state you're hunting in. And then, so if we break it down, eastern half versus western half, which basically the way that works is I-25 goes north and south through the state. Um, about It's slightly east of middle, but it goes right through Denver to give you an idea. Um, that's kind of the what I mean by eastern, western half. On the eastern half, you definitely want to make sure you get a walk-in. Um, book before you get up there because it does change year to year what is walk-in and onyx is pretty good but they don't always get it like right at the beginning of this the season once the walk-in comes out in like july they don't i mean in um, september they don't always have it perfect so you definitely want to make sure you have a book to check it and a lot of sometimes walk-ins not even posted uh, but the book will have it um so you definitely want to make sure that you have the book. The book says it's there. Even if it's not posted, it should be good. If you're in, in worry, call the game warden. Most of the like county offices are listed in the walk in the walk-in book or in the brochure um, for their phone number, and they'll help you really easily saying, yeah, that's good, that's not good. Um, so those are my, my kind of my bigger eastern ones. No matter what, you also want to have good boots, of course, because um, you're going to hike a lot. Kind of more on the western half. Um, the best optics you can get are awesome. If you can get a tripod, if you plan on like hiking somewhere, sitting and watching, so especially like in rifle seasons, um, it's really smart to have a tripod to have your binoculars on. You can see a lot better that way. Uh, I'm still getting used to using one and it's not like the, my favorite thing, but it definitely, I've noticed a difference in one or two seasons that you can just see a lot more. Uh, of what's going on and game and everything just from sitting longer and is more comfortable and you're, you don't get tired and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
couple other things uh make sure your equipment's ready to go you know like don't don't buy your bow and come up for an archery like if you're coming up for archery like for example pronghorn over-the-counter archery starts tomorrow sunday the 15th um so like if you know if i was running out to the bow shop today to buy a new bow i should not be hunting tomorrow <laughs> um so it's uh we do i do see people do that all the time you know they get something brand new and take it out or get a new rifle you know a week before season they don't even have time to sight it in they come out and start sighting it on the side of the mountain you don't want to do that if you can avoid it at all the other thing if you can afford it is if there is an option to add on an extra tag it's always a good idea so like a lot of rifle seasons like the second rifle and third rifle for elk run into the same time as a deer season so if you plan ahead and you put in early you may be able to get both a deer and an elk tag for the same season same area um and so that just makes it so you have more options um more likely you're coming back with something it is expensive don't get me wrong like you know you're looking at between the two of them probably twelve hundred dollars in tags uh, it's about 500 bucks for deer tag and 700 for an elk tag so it's it's expensive but if you're making the trip all the way out here and you don't see an elk the whole time but you saw all these really nice deer you're going to be really sad you didn't pay the 500 bucks for a deer tag <laughs> and there's there's no over-the-counter opportunities for deer so you can't just like decide later hey that's what i want to do um, kind of in the same vein like where i have that special tag the second and third rifle seasons there it's a draw for cows but it's over the counter for bulls for the same season for second and third rifle um so like every year i go up there i always buy both as a resident it's a lot more affordable like it's like 50 something bucks a piece so i'm out like 110 bucks if i see nothing which happens but it's a lot i would rather have both and not worry about it than not have either yeah for sure all right so another thing that i wanted to wanted to bring into the conversation here today was and and you have you've mentioned this me to me before but um the state of colorado is uh from from what you've told me working to uh kind of put a bigger push behind some bear tags and bear hunting you want to talk to us a little bit about what that kind of opportunity like uh, looks like or um, where guys might be able to go if that's something that they're interested in yeah so a lot of units now are where you can add on a bear tag with an archery tag or a rifle tag really easily uh, basically you have to just draw the tag you want and then you can just add on archery no questions asked or, or add on the bear tag either archery rifle or a muzzle or no questions asked and so it's super common to do now um, they've also lowered the price substantially they used to be like four or five hundred bucks now they're as a non-resident now they're just over a hundred um, so it's a lot more affordable there too so if you uh wanted to come out it would make sense probably to add a bear tag um because you know the off chance you see one it's going to be the best day ever if you get one so um that would be my my thing there i know some of the guys on on our team are coming to do that this year and they added bear tag after talking to me and looking at it and thinking about it so uh i would definitely uh recommend doing that as well awesome yeah, that sounds like a, a unique opportunity you can tack on with that too. Pretty sweet. Yeah, and you know, just if you then if you get your elk the first day or get your bear first day, you have time to do something else and you didn't just come all the you know, it'd be awesome to get them first day and be done and you could go home early or whatever, but 
you know, you already got time off from work and everything. You might as well come out and do something else and enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. Make the most of your Colorado hunting experience. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Well, this is this is going to be a shorter podcast this week. Um, kind of get back in the swing of things and catching up with you. Um, but before we go, I wanted to also ask kind of to wrap it up in closing. Um, I know you've talked before about the the leftover tags and and stuff like that is there anything uh left on the table that guys might not be aware of that they might have the opportunity to scoop up yeah there's a lot of really good bear tags right now um one of the better common variants is 62 um there's both archery and muzzleloader left there quite a bit of both and there are b tags you could actually buy two if you uh wanted to put in for that and then um i make sure you get the the link to the list sam so we can put it up with everything but yeah there's a lot of bear tags left in 62 and 60 both of which are pretty good bear units uh my brother hunts 62 every or this would be a second time he went last year for like two days so in two days he didn't see anything but it's really high percentage um good chance um there's a lot of whitetail only tags left they're kind of in units that are more um private only um but there's a ton of them so if you call somebody they may let you come on if you call them or you know start talking now and see um, but there are a lot of whitetail only tags left over so basically the whole eastern state eastern half state has a bunch of either either sex archery or rifle or muzzleloader um when you get into where, where i am there's none left in my unit but 92 which is uh the one right north of us has a few left over um for either se- for either sex or doe only um as for elk tags if you were to like find some private land that either someone lets you hunt or you pay some money there's a really awesome one left um pri- rifle one and unit three which is where i hunt up there um there's either sex there's like 19 private land only's left um so if you were willing to open your pocketbook a little bit you can usually get on a private there for two three thousand dollars um, you could have a really awesome either sex hunt. Um, it's like mid October. That'd be a really good one. And as for antelope, there's really not too many good ones left. They're they're pretty much just doe tags in places with a lot of private. But if you know somebody, it'd be definitely fun to uh, get another chance to go out and chase one. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. So I know I haven't been to uh, excuse me Colorado on a pronghorn hunt pronghorn is one of my favorite hunts to go on i've been able to go to montana and then this year uh i might be trying to maybe scoop one up in oklahoma we'll see but um definitely an experience to to go on that i would recommend for for anybody so absolutely yeah i think i'm thinking wyoming next year for myself and we'll see if you want to tag along yeah uh, that'd be pretty cool i'm trying to hopefully maybe next year i can uh have a little bit more of an open schedule in the fall and be able to do a little bit more traveling for some hunting trips so looking forward to it well man i appreciate you coming on the podcast with us this week Uh, again i know it's a shorter episode but it's good to catch up and see what you got uh, on your radar for this fall following those uh draw application results and everything and uh i mean like you said this this weekend basically is uh is pronghorn opener for a lot of places so the the season is here and it's pretty crazy (laughs) yeah it's nuts how it's already here you know you blink and it's like 
you draw, you do your summer prep, and then here we are, and you know, counting down the days at this point. For sure, absolutely, counting down the days down here in Texas till uh, till deer season, and I know a lot of guys up there. September's a big month, so um, going to be a lot of hunting and a lot of animals hitting the ground here in the weeks to come. Looking forward to it. Well, guys, um, thank you guys for listening again. Shorter episode this week, but hope you guys enjoyed it. Got something out of it, especially if you are making that trip, as we've mentioned, to Colorado for the first time. Um, Hope that there's some information you guys find useful out of this week's episode. If you guys haven't already, hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever podcast app you listen on. We are on all major podcast platforms as well as our website and our YouTube channel. Um, Our website is followobsession.com. That's where you guys can go to see everything that we got to offer. Uh, We have a lot of good educational content on there for hunters and outdoorsmen. Anything from video series to wild game recipes, educational articles, gear reviews from the field on products that our staff have purchased themselves with their own money. Um, Just a wide variety of other educational content. We have some apparel on there as well. You can pick some up, including our best-selling American Pride t-shirt we rolled that out with fourth of july and we have just kept it going because it's been so popular so we still have a few of those left and you guys can go to our website and order one today it'll ship out pretty promptly and um, also check out our podcast page on our website fallobsession.com slash podcast there's a form on there where you guys can send us some feedback if you have any questions you want to ask um, topic suggestions or guest suggestions then feel free to send them our way and if you guys are interested in promoting your brand your organization your outfitter on our podcast or um, any other sort of fall obsession advertising avenue um, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our social media pages we'd be happy to talk to you guys and follow us on social media facebook instagram subscribe to our youtube channel we're uh, working on getting some fresh content on there for you guys um, in the very near future so be sure you hit that subscribe button over there tim thanks again buddy i appreciate you coming on this week thanks for having me sam always a pleasure man all right guys we will catch you guys again next week for another fall obsession podcast episode we'll catch you all then